Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Manchester City's Premier League slump continued last night as they were lucky to only lose 1-0 away to Aston Villa. Carried a long way by Bailey, lovely chop inside, Bailey, it's in! Big deflection run for Edison and Leon Bailey puts Aston Villa in... So, is it a glitch in the matrix? Is Pep simply missing too many key players? Or are there problems a little bit more serious than that. I'm Ayo Wakimulere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm joined by the Athletics Manchester Football writer Mark Critchley, Paul Belus, author of Pep City, The Making of a Super Team, and also data football writer Tom Harris. All right, Paul, let's start with you. Reluctantly, I'm going to say this because we know Manchester City and we know Pep Guardiola very well over the last few seasons. But how worried should we be, though, considering they lost Aston Villa last night, about Manchester City's start to the season so far? I think they should be worried and that there is a chance, plus seeing how Arsenal is going, how Liverpool like are overcoming like tougher results. I think that City have lost this sort of momentum that they have relied on in the past. The bottom line, I think, is that if you look at the team that won the treble last season, I think that in terms of individuals, City has the worst team this season because they don't have Kevin De Bruyne and none of the signings, in my opinion, has replaced properly Ilkay Gundogan. In that terms, like City should be worried. At the same time, I would say that the Aston Villa game was like the odd thing among the last result. I think that they played quite well against Tottenham, really well against Liverpool. So I saw a different thing against Aston Villa. The game wasn't good enough. And if City are not able to change this mentality and, and this image that they left at, at Aston Villa, yes, I think that fans should be worried. Yeah, Tom, um, Villa coming into that match against Manchester City, 13 games unbeaten at home. And not Emery's making real statements at Villa Park. What kind of stats have we got to back up how Manchester City performed in last night's match against Aston Villa, which they lost 1-0? Yeah, it was a bit of a treat, to be honest, for data collectors last night in terms of all the numbers that were coming through. I mean, the two shots that City had was the fewest that Guardiola's ever had in a domestic league game in his managerial career. That's over 500 games. The 22 conceded was also the joint most he's ever had. So pretty incredible that both ways, the lack of creativity and, and the way they were attacked was really stood out. They were just relentless, weren't they, Aston Villa, particularly in the first half. And then, you know, City came out and looked to have a bit more control in the second half, but that was quickly, you know, subsided and, and Aston Villa just really, really played off the crowd's energy, I think. But they also had a really really intricate plan in place as they always do under an Emery and that kind of combination of 
adrenaline and you know really rigorous plan came into fruition yeah well City are now six points off the lead in the Premier League and down to fourth the Athletic Assembly was at Villa Park and here he is on those suggestions that City have got complacent off the back of their achievements last season I think it's just a case of kind of ironing out small details. I don't think the players are on the beach. I don't think the players are going to, you know, we've won enough. I think it's just a case of they need to tighten up a little bit. But look, that was the case last season. Not even him, not even Jamie Carragher, of course, we did it once. But Michael Richard, Richard and all that, no one for Premier League in a row. So when that happened, never, ever, no team in England. He said in that six and a half minute answer all kinds of things about complacency and, and other things he wanted to mention. But there was a question afterwards and he mentioned how the core of the team is completely different and it is. So if City aren't playing like City this season and I think overall you could say they haven't played quite like City it's because the key players from last season either haven't been available at all. De Bruyne has played 20 minutes this season but in terms of the players who have control games Stones has barely been there. Rodri's obviously been out at times when they've already been struggling to control matches. Grealish has been out and not been at his best either. Gundogan's gone. He's the biggest miss for me. Mahrez is gone. It's no wonder really that we're seeing these differences and I think the complacency is too easy an answer to go for and I think that's what Guardiola was getting for but he's got this way to calm a narrative and if he senses that the situation is inflamed a bit in terms of media coverage you know oh, what's going on with City we should have an inquest is it this is it that it will calm things down and then after the Villa defeat last night he's come in and he said look it's my job to, to change the, the dynamic because he knows obviously results wise and performance wise it can't go on Critch yeah it's so interesting especially with that game last night do you think City have become a little bit complacent or is it more towards what Paul was alluding to? The personnel this season just don't match what happened last season, especially with the treble win. I think um, look, I, this complacency charge has been made against them a couple of times this week. I think uh, Gary Neville mentioned it on commentary during the Tottenham game on, on Sunday. Um, I was actually doing the live piece for The Athletic and I was like thinking, what, what am I going to write about this? Because the game is so back and forth. And I ended up mentioning the complacency line in there. Just as like, yeah, that makes sense. But like, I think if you looked at that game, it didn't speak to me as a team that was complacent and was taking things for granted. Certainly the first half performance where they were so dominant. It was more the second half where they just drop off a little bit, I felt. And I, I, I thought they played better against Liverpool, I thought. But again, like not as dominant in the first half as uh, in the second half as they were the first. And then you have the game against Villa last night, which, you know, they just didn't barely lay the glove, glove on them at all. I don't think it's complacency. And I think, you know, you've seen Guardiola speaking this week that he doesn't think that either. He's pretty forthcoming. You know, he will come out in the press and call his players out, essentially, when he believes that there's complacency in the squad, whether that's on a team level or an individual level. I can think of, you know, several comments against players that he's had over the last few years where he's basically challenged them to step up. But he hasn't felt the need to do that this week. So I don't think that's the root cause. I, like, yeah, I agree with Paul that the plan that they had that had such led to such great success last season, they haven't quite got the same profiles in place now to execute it. And I think that's more what we're seeing out on the pitch at the minute. Yeah, Tom, prior to that visit to Villa Park, and you alluded to this, you know, uh, City had conceded the fewest shots in the, in the Premier League, yet conceded 22 shots against Aston Villa. You wrote this piece on, on the game. I mean, why was it so open? What has changed? Over the past couple of weeks, I think it's been a mixture of things. And obviously, Rodri not being in this game was probably one of the biggest things. And, you know, the solution was to kind of bring John Stones into midfield, to bring Rico Lewis into midfield. And Akanji as well would also step up. But I think 
Emery had a bit of a plan to to exploit that, and that was to bring, for example, John McGinn on the on the left hand side, Yuri Tielemans on the right. Every time Villa were looking to build up, one of those players or both would come inside into the, the kind of half space, as we call it, the space between the, the flank and, and, and the centre of the pitch. And every single time that ball was on, if it was Pau Torres, who was playing a ball with his left foot up to John McGinn, or if it was Diego Carlos, which actually happened for the goal, who played it up to Tielemans down his channel. And the issue was, from City's perspective, is that every single time that happened, a player, i.e. John Stones, i.e. Manu Kanji, was running towards the receiver to, to try and intercept the pass. And every single time, John McGinn, who's particularly good at it, he's got you know quite a low centre of gravity, could just spin away. And once that, that spin happened, City were exposed and they had Watkins, they had Bailey running at the, the back three. And it happened time and time again. And yeah, if you look at the goal, if you look at Leon Bailey's chance after five minutes, both came from, from really similar circumstances. So yeah, like I said before, a bit of adrenaline, but Unai Emery definitely identified the weakness and, and exploited it. Yeah, Mark, I'm, I'm sort of at the top of this. I'm sort of saying I'm reluctant to sort of write City off. But who who can really? <laughs> um, considering you know it wasn't until February, especially last season, that City really looked like they were they were going to challenge challenge for the league. Arsenal obviously dropped off, but I guess to expect a team to operate at this insane level, which they have set, by the way, is that an impossible ask? You know, this is, they're looking to get their fourth Premier League in a row this has never happened ever this is insane it's an insane ask isn't it, it? is but I, I think i come back to your point that you made just there about how it's a standard that they've set and it's a standard that they expect um i think under guardiola second has been nowhere they've only finished there once since 2018 and that was a season that had some perhaps some similarities to this one but look i I, I think I've been doing this way too long now to write them off. I think we all have, right? Like I think there was, I saw a quote from Klopp last night saying it's the biggest to write them off will be the biggest joke in the history of football, and like we're literally on this podcast in danger of being the punchline if we do that, aren't we? So I think there was a and there was a thing last night. Someone put in one of our chats that um, the Opta Super Supercomputer their title chances had dropped to fifty four percent. It's fifty four. Like I've, if I flip this coin I, and say heads, you know, there's still more chance of City winning the title. So I don't think we're there yet. And, and again, last night I think Aston Villa are absolutely outstanding in every department, and it, and it takes that kind of no perfect performance, if you like, to to make City look that bad. Um, so an anomaly compared to some of the recent games that we've seen, but that's not to say that there aren't some causes for concerns and some worries there as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, before we carry on, I just wanted to let you guys know, if you weren't aware of it already, you can watch all of our episodes full on our YouTube channel. So make sure you head over to that right now. You can see all these guys looking lovely uh, on YouTube right now. And also don't forget, we've got a lovely interview with uh, Jorginho there as well. So make sure you check it out. You're listening to The Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akinwalere. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimolev. Right, let's talk about Rodri, Tom, because I know you insinuated to this earlier. City have lost four games this season without Rodri in the squad. Just how important is he to their title race this season? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we've all seen the stats. I mean, it's incredible that City have lost the last four games without him. And I was kind of mentioning it before in terms of defensive positioning, but I think on the ball as well, Rodri offers just so, so much. And there was a particular passage play yesterday where, I mean, no slight on these guys, you know, Akanji, Stones and Rico Lewis, who were pressing forward. City were on the ball and there were lots of kind of runs being made into the penalty area. Phil Foden did his classic kind of out to win run to let Kyle Walker bomb forward. But the passes weren't being made. And that is exactly the kind of floated, lofted ball that Rodri can do so well, just to just to clip it out to the wings, just to get the back four you know, moving side to side. And Rodri's so quick at doing that and he's so accurate and so effective. I think City missed that hugely last night. That's probably, you know, a big chunk of the reason why they only created two clear-cut opportunities because you've not got a player who can move defences like Rodri in this team. John Stones can do it, but not as consistently as, yeah, probably one of the best kind of ball-playing midfielders in the world. Mm. I was just thinking about um, Arsenal and thinking about Declan Rice and the impact he's made there. Um, but also the fact that City have also made two signings, you know, Kovacic and, and Nunes. Um, is it fair to say, Critch, that those two players, as, as effective as they can be, are still not often ready yet for Manchester City. Do you know what I mean? To be able to replace someone like Rodri when in his absence, that it's going to take a little bit more time for them to understand how City tick and also Guardiola's philosophy. Um, yeah, obviously both named on the bench last night and and we've not mentioned Calvin Phillips as well. And we, we, we just we don't we just don't mention Calvin Phillips that much anymore is the is, is the reality of the situation because he's not really in the conversation to to come in and replace Rodri. And look like uh, I think I think Kovacic has shown more at the start of the season in moments how you know his ability and, and and why City were determined to bring him to the club even if Ilkay Gundogan was going or saying uh, regardless of that they wanted him I think Nunes obviously much came in much later in the summer there was obviously the pursuit of Declan, Declan Rice whether he, whether he was first choice Guardiola has been very complimentary about him in the past I remember calling him one of the best players in the world that he played against him at sport and I was like who's even talking about it who is this guy but I, I don't think he's really I don't think he's adapted yet and I think that's playing for for most people to see which isn't to say that neither of those players can um, improve and and come to play a part in the future uh, absolutely but we're talking about replacing Rodri who is a player who look I, I think the consensus is he's the best in his position in Europe he's a guy that's got 360 vision he knows what's going on at a pitch at all times in all spaces around him he's got the physicality as well it's not easy to replace that type of figure and I think sometimes a little bit too much is read into the into the Rodri importance like the stats speak for themselves obviously but we're also talking about a four game spell here where he's played 390 minutes right he was only missing last night and sometimes that same level of control that we expect from City still hasn't been there with him in the team so I think it's wider than Rodri maybe but there's no doubt that walking into Villa Park the team the way they're playing at the minute the, uh, the style that they play without having him it was always going to be really difficult for City I think. Yeah Paul I mean you've seen Rodri in, in Spain as well why do you think he works so well for Guardiola's system at Manchester City? Uh, basically, he's, I mean, he's a player. I mean, if you if you can imagine like a player that can be similar than Dan Busquets in the in in the world of football in history, I don't think that you are going to find anything closer than Rodri. And for the way that Pep wants to play, 
historically he wanted to play with a sole holding midfielder and now now he's using more of a double pivot but he needs this kind of player that stays in position and that can control everything a bit of what he was as a footballer himself um, and his extension inside the football pitch and like starting from the point that I think that we can all agree that there's no one in the world that can be a good replacement for for Rodri I mean if you have Rodri in the team you assume that you don't want no one to compete with him because I mean, you want someone to compete with him, but no one to take his spot over because he's that guy. But apart from Rodri and all the physicality that he had and all the like, knowing how to shape himself to get the ball in tighter spaces, which for me was a key against Aston Villa with the sort of pressure that they did inside. City didn't find a way out, basically. And just to earn these extra seconds by shaping your body in the right way just allows you to have that. And just City didn't, didn't have it with the kanji, with the stones, which are really good at that, but are not perfect. Um, and then I think that this is like the overall problem because the best replacement that City had for Rodri last season was Jilkay Gundogan, as I was mentioning earlier. Uh, and Gundogan is not here anymore. Gundogan is a player that also knew everything like in terms of reading the game in the way that Pep wants and this thing that, that I was mentioning like on how to shape himself and everything. And I think that, yeah, that, that City liked Rosary, but City lacked a lot of power inside. Like in the internal pocket, City were not good enough. And as Tom was saying, I mean, this is the thing that I think that Unai Emery wanted to exploit and he did perfectly. So yeah, there's a bit of the element. I think that if City wants to be successful this season, they have to play that Rosary doesn't miss many games because he has this this type of importance. And yeah, I think that the Aston Villa game show it like in the best possible way than than any other of the four defeats this season. Tom, I just think about what Paul was saying in terms of, you know, the direct replacement would have been Gundogan. And you're also looking at players like Gundogan that can really control the game. You know, I, I feel like with players like Doku, City have this much more direct style. How important is Rodri when you've got much more direct players? Attacking-wise, you've got, you know, Alvarez, you've got obviously Haaland and then you've got Doku. It, it gives them that sort of narrowness in, in, in a way that they don't hold the ball so much as well. So a player like Rodri, how important is he in that evolution uh, to where City are right now? Yeah, he brings a balance and he allows other players to do what they do best and that in and of itself isn't easy. I mean, I remember when City brought Rodri in, it took a really long time actually for him to become that reliable single pivot. I remember there was a game at Carrow Road against Norwich where, you know, essentially every time Rodri was bypassed, Norwich ended up scoring. Um, and that doesn't happen so much anymore because Rodri is so well positioned all of the time. And particularly when he's got John Stones in that holding role with him, there aren't many ways through that kind of that midfield to get at the back three. But yeah, as I was saying before yesterday, because there were so many people rotating in and out of where Rodri normally is, I think it was a lot more chaotic in that midfield and that allowed Aston Villa to really, really get through to the defence. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't pretend to have this like as a... Like, I, I don't want to hit too much like on Kovacic or Mateos Nunes because as Tom was saying, like it's sort of normal to see like a player coming into City and needing some time just to get adjusted to everything. It's just normal, it's just what happens. Um, at the same time, I think that last night's game uh, also highlights the importance of Jack Rilish. I think that Jack Rilish is possibly the only winger in this team that can offer this sort of control because um, we all can agree that Doku is not going to offer this because he's just going to take on his, his his opponent. And I don't think that Phil Foden is either. I, I think Phil Foden is 
great, he's brilliant, but like the sort of like the biggest talent that he has is just to being like so like so direct and just massive threat looking forward, but not the sort of winger that can like pause the tempo, like just find the balance. And I think that Jack really hasn't been like this much available this season as well. Or when he's been available, he's not been on top form. So he's a player that I think that Man City needs as well. And that sometimes in the past we have overlooked because, yeah, nothing much was happening when he was having the ball. But I think that now City are also realizing that this pause is very much needed in the team. Mm. Chris, I was wondering, are City relying on the individuals then in, in that respect? You look at the season without a recognized striker, felt like a really ideal system to a certain degree. Everyone was sort of playing in sync. Whereas you've got someone like Haaland, it's very hard to ignore like the presence he offers a team. You have Doku as well. We could talk about this winger, this erratic dribbler that just does some absolute insane stuff on the field. But then as a collective, perhaps that feels like that's what's lacking, that sort of cohesiveness as a collective. Yeah, well, I think um, I, I kind of instinctively would say that no, they're, they're not a team of individuals because of everything that we've seen like over over the last five, six years of Guardiola, right? We know how they work. It's, it's based around the system. And you make a good point about the 2022 season with, with kind of false nine, strikerless, and the adaptation that's had to take place. Totally agree with that. I think there has been a change in style in that regard. In, 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 I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say directness, but just they've got more of a focal point now certainly with Haaland I think the kind of PR friendly way of saying it is that I think what Pep wants is so tactically complex that they're very reliant on certain profiles right of player and so if it means that you don't have somebody with Rodri's ability to know where everything is on the pitch and be that fulcrum and be that pivot then you're going to struggle if you don't have John Stones's ability to step into midfield and um, you know play alongside Rodri and do a similar job then again you're going to struggle I think Paul's point about Grealish is, is a really good one as well. He's a winger who, uh, the amount of times you see him, he could take on his man, but he cuts back and he plays inside. I mean, a lot of City fans get frustrated with it, but it's all working towards a system, if you like. So I still kind of feel like, yes, they're, they're a system team, but they perhaps just the way with players departing over the last few years and the way that the squad's been built back, they're now more reliant on players who do specific jobs within that system that's maybe the evolution that you've seen over the last couple of seasons. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's betterhel dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now that we are struggling, so we have to change the dynamic, uh, win as soon as possible, loot on Crystal Palace to change our mind and continue to be there. Guardiola sort of admitted that Manchester City are struggling and, and need to change the dynamic, but also in another conversation, feeling that his team are going to win the Premier League. I mean, that's a big statement. What kind of mind games are happening right now? Do we do we get a sense that he, he, he likes to do this a little bit? Because I even remember last season where he was like, I do not recognise my team. And then, you know, a couple of games later, Manchester City are steamrolling other teams. Yeah, yeah. But I think that, and I think that Pep knows that, that the problem yesterday wasn't like an attitude one. Um, I think that when he said this thing that he didn't recognize his team was last season, I think it was in January, February, when his team was really struggling. There was like some dressing room issues with, with Jock and Thelo, uh, and a lot of things happening in there. So he needed to revamp the team. Now, I don't think, I mean, I was in Manchester last week and I could spoke to him off the record at some point and I didn't see him like concerned about the mood inside the team. I mean, he's, he saw the team really involved in his cause and really behind him and really believing that what they were doing was the best to get the best results possible. But yeah, I think that last night was just a football thing and that he needs to like uh, catch up, just watch, a, watch the game again and just re- re- reload and tell his players what, can, what they can do differently with the sort of players that they have just to improve the, their, their like results. But I think that as long as there isn't like this attitude lacking that I think that Creech was like mentioning just like before when he was talking about the com- complacency. I think that Pep is happy. Um, of course, he's going to like try to tactically de- de- develop his team just to not find himself in the situations that he saw the team last night. But um, I didn't see at Man City like a dressing room within like the mood inside the team or like how the players fit in. It's just like a concern of like how they have to improve to play better. I remember that game last season after the Tottenham game where the poll references where he comes out and he says he's, it's the happy flowers thing and like he's not he wasn't content with the way that the dressing room was and that the players were, you know, approaching games. He wanted them to fight for each other. He was saying how much it annoyed him that um <laughs> that the Tottenham players were picking on Rico Lewis. And like that sort of thing when he when he wants to build that um, hesitate to call it a siege mentality but just that unity really within the squad if he feels like it's lacking he'll come out and say it and he's done it enough times so I don't think it's an issue of yeah I don't think it's an issue of complacency I think it's it is probably the amount of injuries right but I, we haven't even mentioned Kevin De Bruyne right he's played 20 minutes this season and and just how much of a difference that would make if he was back now I think it remains to be seen whether he's going to come back to his absolute best given his age given he's had a few injuries now over the last few years but um that's a huge factor again Rodri missing for those games but Stones has barely played that much you know coming back into the team last night after another injury these are all huge football factors that I think speak to more than any sort of complacency or anything like that. Yeah, I was wondering though, like, and I want to go back to my, t- my point at, at, at the top. This would always be a tricky season considering what Manchester City did last season unprecedented in, in many respects, right? To get individuals to be firing back again at the same level, it was always going to be tricky. But 
from a Pep Guardiola perspective, in terms of man management and getting the best out of his team, I can't imagine a better coach to get that out of his team. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that he's confident that he can do that. I mean, I don't think that he has a, yeah, I don't think that he has a problem or like a worry about like if he can get the best out, out of this team or just get the motivation out of the team. I, I think that he's confident with that. I mean, in the same way, it's like a challenge for him. I think this is the thing that fires him. I bet that he's going to be like the angriest person in the world today because when he loses a football game, you barely can speak to him in the very next day. But this is the thing that keeps him ticking, basically. And possibly it's a good moment to have this sort of like dips in form. If like from the city perspective, you want to be sort of optimistic. But yeah, uh, I think that in that regard, Pep won't have like a major problem like with his squad. Yeah, Tom, I was just thinking actually the unprecedented nature of Manchester City winning their fourth consecutive Premier League title. That's insane. And I think he, he had a slight dig to Jamie Carragher about <laughs> that uh, over, over his comments, Pep. But I mean... Are we over-egging this a little bit, like of City drop of City dropping points? Um, this is a well-oiled machine, well-funded machine as well. Yeah, I mean, closely related to that is the fact that the four games that they have dropped these points in—that you know, it was Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, Tottenham, who are uh, you know started the season brilliantly, Liverpool and Aston Villa, which probably at the moment is the trickiest away game in the Premier League, and. I think we've just become so used to City winning these games and grinding out results however which way that we expect points in these games. It's a tricky run. And um, again, looking at those individual games, I think yesterday the performance wasn't fantastic. But if Haaland tucks away one of those two chances he has in the first half, perhaps the game plays out differently. Haaland also missed a big chance against Tottenham in the first half. The disallowed goal against Liverpool, controversial, that would have made it 2-0. There, there were moments in those games which could have taken, you know, could have meant that this four-game run didn't happen. And then we'd probably be talking about City as, as, as walking a league again. So, you know, it's all fine margins. And I don't think Pep will be massively concerned. And and also, you've got to say that the run from now until February, March is, is a lot kinder. You know, a lot of the games now, you know, these last four or five games have been the tricky ones. And, you know, if there's anybody who can rack up a run of 10, 11, 12 games picking up almost maximum points it is Man City and with Rodri and Stones back as well you know I don't think there's massive cause for concern but obviously Pep Guardiola's standards are so high like Paul just said he's going to be really really annoyed yeah I mean I want to get all your views on this before we wrap up is he a victim of his own success you know you've got to a point where you're looking at 90 plus points at the end of every season I mean this is an insane standard for any human (laughs) being no it is I think Previous seasons, they offer a guide to what we can expect, but like you only you only have to beat all the teams that are in the same season as you, if you know what I mean. That, that sounds like such an obvious thing to say, but yeah. but do you know? Like, but I think so. You look this season, yeah, ninety plus points. Arsenal are currently on pace for that. I think it's like ninety one, but obviously the rest of the rest are a little far further back from that. And you look at the league table, and it's. It's so kind of concertinaed in that way. You know, I, I woke up today to everybody making the point that Crisis Club Manchester United are only three points behind City, right? So when when the league table still looks like, if that doesn't quite make sense to us, I think, you know, it still says that we're still quite early in the season. I'd, I'd echo a lot of what Tom said there, to be honest. I think nothing nothing really impacts narratives and shifts things in that, in that regard as much as a fixture list. And um, City have come through four really difficult games. 
and now they've got a run of and they're absolutely capable of of racking up the type of points and uh, and going on the type of run that changes the picture completely so i would um i would caution against reading too much into into the league table at this point but um no it's it's a really high standard uh, that they've set over the last few years i just don't know if it's going to be as high this season in order to win it paul i totally agree with that i honestly think that um city will at some point get back to this form and that they will try to get to this series of games like 10 12 games as they were saying i mean i don't see like any other squad possibly more solid than them just to expect them to yeah, just to pile up these sort of games. Let's see now um, how the fixtures go. I think that Luton is a tricky game, if I'm honest, because Luton has been able like to create like an atmosphere at their home that I'm. I have the feeling that they are gonna get points in there, like not in the game, but like throughout the season, they are gonna get points at home. But apart from that, I think that yeah, I think that City have like now the perfect excuse and like a motivation and a bad place to improve from. Just to yeah, basically found this streak of games that it's what they need basically. And yet, Pep has never in his managerial career failed to win five domestic league games in a row. So Luton <laughs> is definitely all right. Yeah, but this is also this is also the Christmas period. Like, trust me, these games are coming thick and fast. This is going to be a test of his metal. Anyway, gents, thanks so much for your time, Mark, Paul, and Tom as well. Do please remember to rate and review the podcast if you're enjoying it. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to the Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark, with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beale. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. To listen to other great Athletic Football Podcasts for free, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. The Athletic Football Podcast is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.